Welcome to Beyond the Reiki Gateway with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you through donations. Links to help support our all-volunteer effort are in the show notes and also on our website, beyondthereikigateway.com. And now it is time to begin our journey together, Beyond the Reiki Gateway. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Reiki Gateway. This is Kathleen Johnson. I'm here with my co-host, Andrea Kennedy, and we're delighted to have you back. If you've been following our podcast, you're probably aware that we've had some really amazing guests on the past few episodes. They've been wonderful. The feedback we've received has been great. Honestly, we're just so grateful that they shared their time, experience, and their knowledge with us and, of course, all of you. Today, we thought we would return to our roots. That is, Andrea and I having a conversation and hoping you'll join in the conversation because today we're talking about Reiki again. It's interesting because this episode was born from an email we received from Brian of Colorado, asking a question about Reiki, self-Reiki, and how we can incorporate Reiki into our lives. We thought this would be a great topic to discuss on our podcast because there are so many people who practice Reiki that honestly struggle with trying to fit it into their daily lives, and it's really pretty easy. So, We're going to talk about that today, and we hope that you will be able to take something away from it and perhaps use it to strengthen your own practice and your relationship with Reiki. Andrea, what do you think about this topic? What are your thoughts about what Brian asked? I read Brian's email, and it sparked some interesting memories for me because my practice has changed so much over the years from when I first learned Reiki to today. One of the things he brings up in his email is about practicing in traditional ways when we have free time and quiet space versus in our busy, hectic lives. I know in my own experience, I sort of had to work that out for myself. And so I think that us talking about it might help other people come to realize how they might relax into Reiki, flow more with Reiki, and have it be really part of the way their days just naturally unfold. And that is with Reiki with them all along the way. I always tell my students, there's no wrong way to incorporate Reiki. And I hope to cover some of that with you today. But yeah, I thought it was a great question and want to thank Brian for sending that in. It really was a great question. And one I think that bears some examination. I really feel strongly about this topic. And like you, Andrea, when I first started practicing Reiki, I was nervous. I was unsure. I had a lot of doubt about myself and the practice and where it was going to go. And it evolved and changed and grew over the years. But it was difficult at times. So hopefully what we talk about today can help people, especially those starting out or are just a little unsure about where their practice is going. I think that's the whole idea of this episode anyway, is to help others that may be experiencing the same things that we did. I think of Reiki as a life companion. 
Now, I didn't always think of it that way, but now I do because I have learned over the years that it truly is, but we have to allow it. We have to allow Reiki into our lives. And I know, just speaking for myself, when I first started, it felt so special. It felt so magical. And I was so in awe of this ability and this energy. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to do Reiki now. I would pick it up when I needed it and wanted to use it. And then I would put it very carefully away when I was done. And it took me a long time to realize that, honestly, Reiki can be part of your life. It doesn't have to be picked up and put away every day or whenever you think you need it. What are your thoughts, Andrea? I so agree, Kathleen, because I look back at my early days and a lot of people probably know this about me. I didn't feel much about Reiki. I was very skeptical about Reiki. And so for me, it was all about following the recipe. And that's how I used to cook. And quite frankly, I still kind of cook like that because uh, I'm not too adventurous <laughs> in that regard. And, you know, I always want a good result. I want people to like what I make. Like, I want people to benefit from Reiki. But way back then, it was all about the recipe. So I had my manual. I had time at night after the kids were asleep. Oh, okay, that was my Reiki time. And so I would sit on my living room floor and I would look at my manual and I would do perhaps a distance session for a family member or something like that way back in the day. And yeah, it was something I did. It was very compartmentalized and it was by the book and quite literally with my manual. Why? A couple of reasons. Number one, I very much respected Reiki. I thought it was something to be regarded. There was a tradition about it. You know, there was a history about it. And who was I? Here I was this newcomer to it. I thought I need to respect this. This is a big deal. And so I want to get it right. So I would live my day and then look forward to, oh, I'm going to practice Reiki now. And then I would sit and do my little session the way I described by the book. I would keep my little notes. I would, you know, <laughs> overthink everything. I'm very sure. But in the beginning, that's how I started. And I think that part of my mission in today's episode is to help people skip through that part. You can just bypass that. You don't have to do it like I started doing it. Just take it from me and skip over that. And hopefully we'll uh, give them some great ideas today about how they might do that. It's interesting because it makes me think of doing Reiki, right? So back in those days, mm -hmm. I was yes. doing Reiki. Uh, at an appointed time. And that was the time I did Reiki. Sort of like what Brian said in his email, he mentioned having free time and quiet space. In real life, when do we ever have that? So if we had to depend on right. free time and quiet space in order to do Reiki, uh, we wouldn't do much Reiki. That's true. Anything worth doing, I think, is you have to make time, but you have to probably think a little outside the box. If it's something you want to give focus and attention to, really we're focusing in on Reiki today in this conversation. But, you know, let's expand that out. Any spiritual practice, anything we might be studying. I mean, think of meditation. Are you only going to meditate 
for that 20 minutes every morning. And then after that, you just completely forget about it. Or is meditation something we want to weave more into life? I mean, isn't that where the benefit is? I don't know. What are your thoughts? No, I agree. I mean, we are talking about Reiki today, but what we're talking about, the concept can be applied to almost any kind of practice, any Mm -hmm. spiritual practice or any other practice for that matter. Uh, You use meditation. I think of my love for crystals. You know, I used to reserve my crystals for those special sessions and eh, I got over that. Now they're all (laughs) over my house. They just are, they're a huge part of my life. I don't, (laughs) I don't reserve them for special occasions. They're a part of my life. And I think Reiki is the same way. I'm so glad what you said earlier that you tell your students that you can't do it wrong. I do the same thing. But you know what? When I was going through my Reiki classes, I didn't get that message. No one told me that. So I had all these fears and worries. And I remember doing Reiki time, like you described Mm -hmm. as well. I'd have the manual sitting on the floor, laying on the floor, craning my neck to see what the manual says to do next. Don't forget, (laughs) Kathleen, the perfect music. Right? Didn't you have the perfect oh, music? Absolutely. As you sat there to do your Reiki, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And it was honestly, it was at first, it was a very special time for me, but then it started to turn into a bit of a chore because it was like, oh my goodness, this is a lot of work. Fortunately, Reiki stepped in at some point and kind of went, okay, time out, lady. <laughs> this doesn't have to be work. It doesn't have to be a chore. And that's really how it happened with me. So I assume it happened with you in some way as well, Andrea, when you finally realize that you don't have to do it like at a certain time. I think that what happened, and I didn't recognize it at the time. I look back now, I see there was a fork in the road and I didn't recognize there was a fork in the road. And I think many people come to it. And the choice is, I either am going to do Reiki by the book, I'm going to wait for free time, I'm going to wait for the quiet space in order to do it right, or I'm going to have to leave Reiki behind and not even do it. So that becomes a question. It's like, am I going to keep carving this out, keep having it be, you know, and it can become a burden. Quite frankly, anything mm-hmm. that we yes. put those requirements on can very much become a burden to us. And then what do we want to do with that? We want to not feel the burden. And in that no, regard, we have enough burdens. Yeah. And in that regard, it's like, well, if if I want to get myself out of that burden, you've got a choice to make then. Are you going to make it part of your natural day? Or are you just going to cross it off your list of practices? And not even go there anymore. Right. And quite frankly, early on in my journey, I did kind of set it aside and life was happening. You know, I had my second Mm -hmm. child and we moved across the country. And I reached a point back then that I put Reiki on the back burner because I couldn't fit it in. I was a young mom and there was just way too much going on in our lives and I couldn't find the free time. I couldn't find the quiet space. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't know it was okay to just be real with Reiki and (laughs) honest with myself about having a true relationship with it, I just didn't keep up with it. 
for a time. What then later happened, though, was I realized I couldn't pass this up. I couldn't pass up the gift anymore of what I knew in my bones about Reiki. That is, it is a gift and a resource and a way of life, if we will allow it to be. That's sort of how I came back into, I couldn't stay away from it. I couldn't divorce. I couldn't divorce myself from the Reiki. Right. The price for that, though, was I had to get real and honest about what Reiki is to me and what it isn't. And I think the sooner we can go there personally with ourselves, the sooner we can move on and have a practice that is meaningful, is transformative, and is a part of us. You're right. And your journey is interesting. Mine was different, of course, it would be. But I like what you said about the fork in the road because it becomes another chore you have to do. You know, when I first came to Reiki or when it found me, whatever you, however you want to say it, I was raising four sons. I had a very busy life. We had just moved to a new place and there was a lot going on in my life. So finding that time was challenging. And after a while, the novelty began to wear off, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh boy. But for me, I didn't set it aside. And I think it was because I was a little bit older and I knew that this was something I really wanted to do. But I agonized over how am I going to fit this into my life in a way that I wanted to. I finally just gave into it. I kind of threw up my hands, waved the white flag and said, all right, Reiki, what do I do? And I opened myself to the energy, basically just saying, tell me what I need to do. And that's when it started to come in. And I could feel the energy working through me and letting me know. And over time, I was getting the message. And it was basically, use this gift. It is here for you to use in your life, not just at specific times of the day or for specific individuals or just for when you set that time aside to do self-reiki. I can be a life companion for you. But as you said, and as I said earlier, we have to allow it. Reiki will not force itself upon us. It respects our free will. So when we come to that fork in the road, we have to make that decision. I really like what you said about your beginnings with Reiki, that it was kind of a do or die thing. I'm either going to do this or I'm not. Yeah. As you were talking What came to my mind, Kathleen, is one of the things I love about Reiki, and that is it doesn't pick and choose. Anybody can learn Reiki. Anybody can help themselves and other people with Reiki. That is just, oh, the inclusivity of Reiki is one of the absolute joys of Reiki. It does not discriminate. So why then would we feel as though Reiki would be something to pick and choose throughout the day. Like, oh, this isn't the time for Reiki. It's like, no, 
all time is the time for Reiki. Just like all people may engage with Reiki and benefit from Reiki and learn Reiki. There are not limits to that. You know, I look back now at how I was describing those early days for me. And one way I sort of chuckle about it, like, oh my goodness, it seems like a total lifetime ago. And then on the other hand, it's like, oh, that's so sad. My poor little self back then, I just was so rigid (laughs) trying to be good at it, trying to to do it just Right. right. And how sad that that would have gotten in the way of me Mm -hmm. embracing it and just relaxing with it. And isn't that ironic? Relax into Reiki, this relaxation and stress reduction technique, but we can get so (laughs) stressed out about how to do it. Oh, yes. One of the other things I say a lot is there's doing Reiki and there's being Reiki. And I think that That's also what we're talking about today. In the early days, I was doing, 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 doing Reiki. And today, I like to think that I'm being more Reiki. I'm allowing more Reiki. Mm -hmm. It isn't, you know, release the dam. It's 9 p.m. It's time for my, (laughs) it's time for my Reiki. But it isn't about that. It's about the flow through our natural life for sure. Exactly. I too like the phrase being Reiki as opposed to doing Reiki. It it just fits so much better. In 2012, I was fortunate enough to attend a Reiki seminar in New York City. And one of the speakers was Franz Stein. And his entire talk was about being Reiki. When he said that, It was like a bolt out of the blue for me. I was, how wonderful, because I was still in that doing Reiki mode. And those two words and the way he described it and the openness, the inclusivity of it, as you said, really resonated. And I just ran with it from there. I tell my students the same thing and clients who have Reiki. Don't think about doing Reiki. Just allow yourself to be Reiki. The energy will flow through you and do exactly what it needs to do. And boy, that made all the difference. Just those two words, right? Totally. Another word that comes to my mind, Kathleen, is surrender. Surrender. Yes. Because it isn't about fitting Reiki into a box or this 15 minutes or this half an hour or whatever it is. and It's funny because when I was younger, I would get so annoyed on the road with the other drivers. (laughs) I'm sure we have people that can relate to that. Other Mm -hmm. drivers would just annoy me. And one day I had this moment of clarity and I thought, huh, am I a practitioner that practices Reiki and then leaves my home and engages with other people in ways that are counter to Reiki? Am I just a Reiki practitioner in name only? Or am I an example of Reiki? And it was an Mm -hmm. interesting time for me because I really started to look at and become more aware of who I was in relation to Reiki, how much I had surrendered How true was I as a practitioner of Reiki? 
as an example of it being in my life. I've used the story in Reiki classes that I've taught too, saying, you know, it isn't about love and light, unicorns and rainbows during the session. And then you leave the session to drive home and you're cutting people off and cursing them on the road or whatever. Uh, That doesn't quite go together, at least in the way I see things. To me, it's a beautiful example of Reiki in that, again, not discriminating between who can learn it and benefit. Well, you know what? We can't just fit Reiki into, you know, nine to five or nine to noon and then go off and not be responsible to the energy. I think that Reiki invites us ever so subtly to imbue all we are with Reiki, not just this one aspect of myself. And I think it's in that way that Reiki can be so transformative, so powerful in our lives, in our healing. And if we really want to help other people, It isn't simply by practicing, by doing sessions or teaching. It is living in the flow of Reiki in all that we do. No boundaries. No boundaries. I agree. And I think that's a lesson we've all had to learn. You say about being responsible to the energy. Yes, absolutely. Also respectful of the energy and your description of getting angry in traffic and, you know, maybe being cranky with someone you didn't need to be cranky with just because you were having a bad day. All those things are counterintuitive to what Reiki is all about. And I think as we grow in Reiki, when we have it for a while and we allow it into our lives, those ideas, those concepts start to become much more than concepts. They go from the abstract to the concrete, and you can find ways to incorporate Reiki into your daily life, make it a part of your life, and live your life being Reiki, not just doing Reiki, like you said, from nine to five or nine to noon, what have you. That's when you can really make a difference with the energy because you're being an example. You're leading by example. Now, that's not to say that anyone who practices Reiki, believe me, least of all me, Always is love and light and unicorns, please. <laughs> yes. Well, I wanted to say that. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. It's like, oh, wait, right. I have it's to let true. everybody know I get cranky. I get upset. I'm no angel. You know, we're all humans doing the best no, we can. Neither am I. But I think yeah. it's about the awareness, though. And it's about it the. Is. It's a practice, and that's okay. It is a practice. And a practice is ongoing. That's why we call it a practice. We're always yes. practicing. Yes. And But yeah, I am no angel. I've had a rough couple of weeks. And today, before we got on, I was cranky. I was in a bad mood. I didn't have a good night's sleep. I was like, mm. rang, rang, you know? <laughs> but I'm human. But you know, we rise above it. We find ways to rise above it. Like just being on this episode with Andrea today has definitely lifted me. And Reiki has a hand in all of that because I allow it. I allow it into my life. I welcome it into my life. And once we do that, 
those uh, trials and tribulations that come with being human don't seem to be as challenging or overwhelming or uh, so exhausting as they used to. It's been many years since I first learned Reiki. And do you know Reiki is something that has outlasted so many things in my life? It has been something that's always been there, no matter Mm -hmm. if I had it front and center or in the early days when I kind of put it on the back burner for a bit. It was always present, always available. And that is another gift of Reiki. After we learn Reiki, it never goes away. It is always there. It's a thought away. And it's that simple. And I have had times where I've been so grateful for that. The ups, the downs, Mm -hmm. the trials and tribulations of, as you would say, life on planet Earth. (laughs) Through all of that, I've always been able to come home to Reiki. And Mm -hmm. that has been a companion that has outlasted so many things in my life. I treasure that. And knowing that it's there is a comfort. That's a relationship Mm -hmm. that we can build that is steadfast, true, and we can always count on for help and support. Absolutely. And that's how I view it. I think of it as a very loving and supportive companion, always there when we need it. As you said, it's a thought away. It has helped me so much in the past years that I've had it. Honestly, sometimes it's hard for me to really remember life before Reiki because it has been that transformative in my life. And I don't say that lightly. I can't say that about too many things in life that are truly transformative. Having children is one of them, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but Reiki, Reiki is absolutely one of them. But again, I want to hammer this home without being too, you know, obvious about it, but we have to allow it. It will not intrude upon our free will. We have to allow it. But honestly, once we do, it is so worth it because it is truly a light. It is a guiding light. And even when things seem bleak and you feel just, oh my goodness, I just want to crawl under a rock for a while, Reiki makes you feel like, no, it's okay. You can come out. Everything is as it needs to be. It's all good, you know, and I love your use of the word surrender. I've used that word myself in a lot of the work I do, and it's not about surrendering, like giving up kind of a surrender. I see it as a realization, a recognition that there is a loving, all-knowing force in place that has our backs Mm -hmm. and knows that everything is going exactly the way it needs to, and that all is well at this point in time. And once I reached that point of surrender, and I did quite some time ago, years ago, it has really smoothed my path. Yes, and I would also add acceptance. So surrender Mm -hmm. and acceptance, acceptance of the help that Reiki offers. And there are many people Mm -hmm. who are reluctant to ask for help 
are reluctant to <laughs> say they need help to admit that to themselves. Isn't that interesting? Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I wanted to bring something up, you know, we're talking about all this surrender and acceptance and all of that. And I do want to get to some practical things that we can invite mm-hmm. people to do, yes. right? Like, what does that even look mm-hmm. like in real life? What are they even talking about? But, you know, one of the things right. though that I want to mention first is I want to make it clear that I'm not dissing the tradition of Reiki and the mm-hmm. history of Reiki. That isn't what this is about. I respect the history. I respect the tradition. However, the way I have come to practice is to leave the tradition and the history sort of where it lies. And that is Mm -hmm. for me in the past, the way I have found practice for myself to be effective is bringing it into my everyday human Sunday through Saturday life. If I had to practice it a certain way, if it had to be in a certain framework, if it had to be based in the tradition of the very early beginnings of Reiki, I wouldn't be sitting here talking with you today. It wouldn't fit in with who I am and in my life. And so if a more framed way to practice speaks to some people I just want to say, then that's wonderful for them that they, of course, it is however it is that the practice suits you. Exactly. Yes. And of course, Reiki has no judgment about that. It's just people that do, right? But what are some right. practical things? So what we're talking about surrender and acceptance and real life. I'd love to hear some of your examples about Reiki for the rest of us, Reiki for people folding it into, surrendering to it, and practicing it sunrise to sunset, being Reiki. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Uh, Reiki for people who are too busy to do Reiki, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. It's funny you should ask, Andrea, because I have written a few articles about this. This is a topic near and dear to my heart. Right. Uh, something I talk about all the time with to anyone who stands still long <laughs> enough to listen. Um, <laughs> but I truly believe that we can make it a part of our lives and it eases the feeling that we have to do it in a certain way at a certain time. It makes it so much easier because if you start to incorporate it into every part of your life, you're basically being Reiki all day without even trying, Mm -hmm. with just going through your life. Now, for example, I'm a big fan of self-Reiki, and I know you are too, Andrea, with your students and for yourself, and it's something I kind of preach a lot because it's so important. For me, it is the gold standard of self-care for Reiki practitioners. But who has an hour a day to do a self-treatment, right? Mm -hmm. No one. And so my self-reiki is at night. When I go to bed, before I fall asleep, I will put my hands on my heart, on my solar plexus. I will express gratitude for the day, regardless of what it has brought. I then allow reiki to flow. And I typically will fall asleep like that. And that's my self-reiki in the evening. And I do the same thing when I'm first waking up in the morning. I express gratitude for the new day, hands on 
heart and solar plexus because that's where they feel comfortable to me. And for the folks listening, it doesn't have to be there. If you feel comfortable with your hands on your head, put them on your head, okay? It, mm-hmm. Whatever works for you. Just for a few minutes, allow that energy to flow, and then I begin my day. And I usually recite the precepts in my mind at that point, too, to mm-hmm. kind of set the tone. When I get my morning shower, I envision the water flowing from the shower carrying the Reiki energy and washing me, washing me energetically as well as physically. When I'm brewing my coffee, I'm channeling Reiki through my hands, just allowing that to flow while I'm doing that, whether I'm cooking breakfast, etc. I think you get the idea. It's just mm-hmm. no matter what I'm doing, I have Reiki conscious in my mind. I'm not actively thinking, oh, I have to do Reiki. I've already allowed it. And it's flowing. And just talking about it now, I can mm-hmm. feel it in my hands because it's right there. And I go through my day that way. It's just a part of me. I don't have to pick it up and then set it down. Like, okay, well, I'm done with this for now, so I'll move on to something else. It can be integrated so easily and seamlessly into our lives. And so what happens at the end of the day? We have pretty much been channeling Reiki for ourselves, for others, and for our plants, and we have pets, our animals, our food, our drink, all day. Now, that makes a difference. That makes a big difference. When I'm sitting on the sofa at night watching TV, I'll sit there and I'll channel Reiki to myself, one hand on my heart, the other hand on my little dog, who is always next to me, sending her some Reiki as well. And I'm not actively thinking about it. Again, I'm just allowing it. Andrea, I know you have ways of working it into your day too. I do. I drink a lot of water. And so as the water goes into the glass, I'm thinking Reiki, 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 filling my cup so that I can drink the Reiki later. One of the things I tend to find myself doing and I think less so now, because as you're saying, it just is a very natural thing. But I would ask myself, how does Reiki fit into this? You know, what about Reiki here? For people wanting to surrender more, this might be helpful to just simply remember Reiki, even if you have to put a post-it note on your bathroom mirror or whatever it is, so that Before you get in the shower, you see that and you're like, oh, Reiki. Oh, I'm going to try that thing that Kathleen talked about. I have a wonderful time (laughs) with the water in the shower. I love that. (laughs) I think we know that intuitively, even without Reiki, people without Reiki, you're in a bad mood. You take a shower, you feel better, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's just natural that the water is helpful. So why not add the Reiki to that. I do that in the shower. I do it when I drink the water, uh, when I cook. I don't like to cook. So, you know, I've said that before, I think (laughs) on the podcast, it is not something that I really enjoy doing. But you know what, I can imbue the food with Reiki that helps me feel a little bit more connected to the process, like I'm actually offering Mm -hmm. something more with the food that I'm making. So it makes it a little bit special for me to do that. But Brian in his email even mentioned how he will offer Reiki to his child as he's feeding him the bottle and little things like that. I pet my 
dog. Mm -hmm. It's connecting with her and it's just Reiki, Reiki, Reiki. It's just all the time, as you say. But again, in the beginning, I had to really put it in my mind. And it makes me think of Mm -hmm. that thing. It was so popular many years ago. And I don't know, maybe it is still now, but that WWJD, what would Jesus do? Oh, what would Jesus do? Yeah. So that entered into my consciousness and I would kind of chuckle to myself, ooh, what would Reiki do here? You know, how how could Reiki fit <laughs> like into this that. situation? And I actually would ask myself that through the day. How does Reiki fit into here in that sort of that same vibe of that what would Jesus do kind of thing? I think it's a great and simple way, a little technique that we can use to invite Reiki into the everyday mundane things, like you're saying, making your coffee, cooking your breakfast. I think it all just boils down to one thing, and that is making the decision that Reiki is like a river. It isn't like a pond that you go visit (laughs) or a lake. It's a river, and it's always flowing. Whether you turn your back and you're not looking at it, the river is still there. The water is still flowing. The energy is there, and you can turn around at any moment and behold the river, drink of Mm -hmm. the river wade and swim in the river. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with that flowing water is up to you, but that river's there. Exactly. 24/7. Yes. Yes. It's there. It's just a matter of how you want to engage with it and if you decide no limits, no limits then. You get to decide. You get to make that choice. I don't think Reiki would have it any other way. I don't think so either. And I like the uh, what would Reiki do? I'm going to start using that. And I think the answer is whatever way works, Mm -hmm. pretty much. There is no one answer for that because it's going to be different for every person who practices Reiki. Mm -hmm. I'd like to offer another little practical thing that I did for myself. I bought a little dangly ornamental little thing that you hang from your rearview mirror in your car. I bought that because it had a little swirl on it and it reminded me of the Reiki power symbol. My intention was to have that in my car and I see it dangle. I'm remembering Reiki in my car for safe travels. That's for me going, oh, Reiki for me as I drive my car. Thinking about other people who might need Reiki as I'm sitting at a stoplight. Another reason that I have it there is if somebody out there on the road annoys me, I go, oh yeah, Reiki. Yeah, I don't do that. I'm going to (laughs) just let that go, remembering my Reiki. So I'm all about putting a post-it note or a little thing in your car or whatever it is, because as we open ourselves up to new ways of practice, sometimes we need little reminders out there for ourselves that we can come up against and go, oh yeah, we can remember then to invite Reiki into that. Then we'll make new memories of ourselves having the Reiki in those situations. And then it just becomes more natural. But having the reminders can be pretty helpful. I love that. And reminders are great. I know I use reminders in my life for all kinds of things, as I'm sure most people do. Having a reminder for Reiki, I think, is a wonderful idea because as we're working through that initial phase of I have to do it right and 
getting all hung up on the mechanics and the details. It helps us to unwind. Put those reminders, maybe near the shower Mm -hmm. or in your car, maybe in the kitchen, stick a post-it note near your coffee pot, wherever. These things can help to remind you to invite Reiki in, to allow it in. Now, when you were talking about your rearview mirror dangly thing, I was thinking about something I did for a long time, and that is to make a pitcher of Reiki water. Mm. I would get a very large pitcher, and I would channel Reiki into the water with the intent that it be filled with Reiki. So anyone drinking from it would be drinking the energy of Reiki. I actually was able to find a little decal with the Reiki symbol on it, you know, the Reiki symbol. And I stuck that on the picture. Oh, great. (laughs) Just to drive the point home Mm -hmm. that this was Reiki water. I had one in our refrigerator for the family. And I also kept one especially for classes when I was teaching in person. So that was my reminder to drink Reiki water Mm -hmm. back in the early days. And you know what? I still do that. Mm -hmm. I still do it today because I drink a lot of water, as you said, you do too. And why not make it Reiki water, right? Why not? So reminders are good. Why not? Indeed. Reminders are great. And I'm glad you mentioned that again for those listening who may be wondering, well, what do I do? Put reminders around. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely not. You make a list or a reminder for many things in life. Why not Reiki? Why not? And one of the things I definitely want to touch on, and I know we've kind of danced around this, but I want to just say it, that one of the things that has been so enormously helpful for me as I've learned to accept and embrace Reiki as a life companion is how it has strengthened my relationship with Reiki. It has become very deep and strong, and it makes me feel so secure knowing that it is a companion to me at all times. And that has also affected the way I practice Reiki. My Reiki practice now, I can't even describe how different it is from when I first started. It's like night and day. And it is, again, very profound. I get a lot of messages. I get a lot of impressions. And I can honestly, in many cases, feel the energy. It's palpable. It's almost physically palpable to me throughout my whole body and even in the healing space. And I I know for me at least, it's because of the relationship that I have forged with Reiki over the years. And that has come about through allowing it into my life in all those little tasks and chores and commitments and obligations that we each go through every single day, Reiki is there. And it has made such a difference. And Andrea, I would imagine that you can speak to that as well. As I alluded to earlier, my practice to Kathleen is so completely different than those early days when I had my manual and I had to go, okay, what's step number one? Okay, did I do that good enough? Okay, I can move on to step two. Oh my goodness, it just pains me to even go there in my brain at this moment. <laughs> I had a lot to to get through. I had a lot to reconcile and you might say heal. Yes. 
so that I could grow in my Reiki practice. I'm sure it was the Reiki all along the way that helped me let go. If you think about it, I had such a white knuckled grip on Reiki in those early days. I had an idea of what it was and who I had to be and what it had to look like. And to me, back then, that was quote unquote right. I am so not that person anymore. And I do credit Reiki for that because being in the energy, practicing, just practicing, doing the self-Reiki, like you mentioned, the morning and night, those are my favorite times as well to do self-Reiki. But Mm -hmm. I would say it was a very gradual process of an unwinding of myself because I was so wound up so tightly and holding on to what I thought I needed to be how I needed to practice. And now when I practice Reiki, oh my goodness, it's just free. I I mean, that's the word that comes to me. It's just free flowing. It's just, there aren't any edges to it. It's just there. So it is a complete 180 from where I was before. Totally. So I'm really glad that you did bring that up. And that's how I can also speak with some knowledge about this because I've been through it to say, you can't get it wrong. I mean, I wasn't wrong back there those days where I was holding on so tight. I wasn't wrong. It was just what I needed at the time. And then I ended up evolving as I worked with the energy and the energy worked with me. And one of the wonderful things about the whole practice of Reiki is the subtlety. I didn't know. I didn't realize it was so gradual and gentle, but yet so powerful. And that speaks to the nature of Reiki and how it is for clients, for students who learn it. It is gentle, yet so powerful. There's just no downside to it. It's one of those things. It defies that little statement. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Reiki Mm -hmm. is the exception Mm -hmm. to that. And it's the only thing in my whole life that I can point to and say, yep, absolutely, positively, 100%, Reiki does not fit that. It sounds too good to be true. And you know what? It's true. It's true. It absolutely is true. I agree with you 100%, everything you said. And yeah, what you said about you needed to be there at that time when you were so rigid in your Reiki, I was the same way. And I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist. And of course, that affected the way I did Reiki at first. Everything had to be by the book. I was so afraid of making a mistake. I felt that this was an enormous responsibility I was scared Mm -hmm. and I had to unwind as you described. And that's exactly what happened. And I didn't even realize it was happening at first. It just was gradual and subtle, but I knew I was changing. And as I would look back, you know, when I started Reiki, I go, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. Or Mm -hmm. this has changed or that has changed. And I knew that Things were happening, Mm -hmm. and I always credit Reiki for that. 
but I also give myself credit for allowing it, for mm-hmm. having the sense, if you will, yes, <laughs> to allow it into my life. Now, we got to keep in mind that, you know, one of the things you and I both know, Andrea, is initially Reiki was taught as a path of spiritual development. Mm-hmm. And that tends to get lost sometimes when we're talking about it as a healing modality But it truly is when it comes down to what it can do for us on our spiritual journey. For me, it has been transformative. So it has been a real path of spiritual development for me. And it continues to be because it's always changing. I don't even practice the same as I did last year. It's constantly Mm -hmm. evolving. And the energy continues to work with me and guide me. And I, Listen to the guidance. I follow the guidance because it is never, ever wrong. I love that you brought it back to Reiki being a path of spiritual development, Kathleen. I couldn't agree more. And I hope that what we've shared today has illustrated that to the listeners with a little bit of both of our backgrounds and how Reiki has evolved and changed in our lives and how we have evolved and changed right along with it. On behalf of us both, we thank you so much for joining us and wish you the highest Reiki blessings. Until next time. And before we say our final goodbye, Kathleen and I wish to share our heartfelt gratitude with all of our regular listeners who've chosen to support our all-volunteer effort here at the podcast by leaving positive reviews sharing about the podcast with your friends and family and on social media as well and of course by contributing through donation it is through your efforts that our audience continues to grow and kathleen and i wanted to just say thank you and we certainly look forward to the next time we meet and explore beyond the reiki gateway